Hey strangers, welcome to another episode of Strange Talk Podcast, and this episode is going to be a little different if you're not familiar with the way I do my thing. This is a This Week in Crime episode. It's been a while and I'm finally bringing it back. So if you're new to Strange Talk Podcast and you're not sure what a This Week in Crime is, This Week in Crime is where I bring you weird, strange, just weird and fucked up news articles from around the world or right here in good America, But it's been a while since I did it because originally I was going to stop doing them because I didn't really have time to actually do both an episode and This Week in Crime. But since I'm kind of changing up my formula where I'm going to be bringing out an episode on Mondays, having it launch, even though I kind of slacked on Chris Watts episode, but it was just so, it was just like a really heavy edited episode. So I, yeah, I didn't really have a lot of time to edit it, but um, most, well, starting now. Um, every Monday, well not every Monday, but every other Monday is going to be a full-fledged episode dedicated to like one particular topic like, you know, say, let's say a a serial killer or um, like a disappearance kidnapping, whatever whatever the fuck I feel like putting out. And then every Wednesday, then every other Wednesday after the episode comes out will be a This Week in Crime episode. So that's what this episode is right now. It's a This Week in Crime episode. So, uh, having said that, um, usually I start the episodes off with just me chit-chatting, talk about shit that you probably don't really care about. But one thing I do want to talk about, because it is related to the topic of true crime, was um, last Friday, I saw the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And if you're not a fan, because now that the reviews have been coming out, of course a lot of the reviews are saying it's like Quentin Tarantino's next masterpiece, it's the greatest thing. I will say this, I I am coming in a little bit biased because I am a huge fucking fan of Quentin Tarantino. I love all his films. The only film that is, I, I still enjoy watching it, but I don't go out of my way to watch it like say his other films, but it is, I would say it's the least of my favorite. It is um, Jackie Brown. I don't really care too much for that film. I enjoyed what I saw, but it's not something I still find myself coming back to. Um, I enjoy all his other films, even the movie he wrote. He did not direct, but he wrote the movie True Romance. So I am a big fan of Quentin Tarantino, having said that. So I I am a little bit biased because um, I will say this, though. Having watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was not expecting the way it ended. I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it yet, but I wasn't expecting it to turn out to be the way it ended to have it end that way. It really caught me off guard. I honestly thought it was going to be... Well, I'm kind of spoiling it if I, if I say that part, so never mind. But I didn't think that it was going to be the way it was, and it, it kind of caught me off guard. But having said that, it's really, really just, it's a really slow burn of a movie. And if you don't know Quentin Tarantino that much, or you're not too familiar with his films, um, he is, what I love about him is his dialogue. He has really good fucking dialogue in his films. He has a way of building up tension that I don't think I've ever seen any other director before do. And especially like one of the biggest examples I would see is that bar scene from Inglorious Bastards. It's one of my, is one of my favorite scenes in any film that I've ever seen in my life. It, it is one of the best fucking scenes. I, I love that scene. I love watching it so much is that scene in the bar when they're playing the game, the guessing game, and it's just so intense because that fucking general or lieutenant, whatever he is, he knows that something's not right here. And so, you know, he goes and sits down. I fucking love that part. Even the beginning of the movie, just the beginning of that movie, the whole dialogue with um, fucking um, 
Hans, I think that is his name, the Jew hunter. <laughs> he fucking, like, just that whole scene right there. And when it finally builds up to him just searching for the fucking um, people hiding. Like, oh my god. But anyways, back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you're not familiar with what this movie even is, it's, um, it's basically a retelling or a different story of the Sharon Tate murder when um, Sharon Tate um, Polanski, I think is what they called her in real life and then um the other people one was another famous actor i forgot his name and then um one was like the heiress to like the folgers coffee company she was like the heiress so she was the daughter of the guy who invented the folgers coffee company um yeah they were all murdered by charlie manson not by charlie manson himself because a lot of people will say that charlie manson murders but in reality it wasn't charlie manson who actually did anything he told them to go out there and kill those people because he wanted to inspark helter skelter because he believed helter skelter which is the name of a beatles song um he believed helter skelter was um the end of the apocalypse i mean it was the apocalypse and the end of the world he was trying to create and incite a race war so he wanted to pit blacks against whites but i honestly think he only did that was just simply because um if you don't know too much about charlie manson which i'll probably do an episode about him eventually but um if you don't know about charlie manson he wanted to be a musician um and he even actually wrote a song that the beach boys actually used but they changed the name of it and they changed like some lyrics and he didn't like that he hated that once he found out how hollywood really worked he really hated it and he i think that's why he did what he did was sort of a way for him to leave his mark on hollywood to like you know this is what i did so in a way he still got the fame that he so desired because we fucking gave it to him because we were so fascinated by this man who did what he did without actually doing anything he just told three fucking people to go and and fucking do it but if you're a fan of quentin tarantino or you're just curious to see what this movie has to offer go into it knowing that it's a slow burn so if you've seen the movie hereditary hereditary is another good example of a slow burn i really enjoyed that movie though i loved that movie i thought it was really really good i like the little like visual like imagery that ari what was his name ari shakur i think his name is fuck but ari something but i love the imagery he displays in that movie the cinematography the cinematography was like really well done and if you notice in that movie in hereditary there's a lot of a lot of like 666 there's like a lot of 666 of everything if you really pay attention there's threes and threes of everything like um sometimes you'll see in the background like three different people wearing the same colored shirt and then you'll see like three like it's you just got to pay attention to it like a lot of the imagery like he tells a story without actually having to say words to tell the story and i really love that about that film i I love things like that that's what keeps you paying attention so just go into knowing that um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is kind of like Hereditary. It's a slow burn of a movie. Uh, Quentin Tarantino establishes um, character progression and arcs and things like that. Although some of the stuff, I will be honest, that is goes on in that movie doesn't really... Like, I know it does stuff for the story-wise of Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, and Brad Pitt's character, Cliff. I forgot the last name of that character. It doesn't really... it Like, it doesn't really matter in the end. But again, so just go into it thinking, just knowing that it's going to be a slow burn of a movie, okay? It's going to take its time to get to what it's trying to tell you. But overall, I enjoy that movie because, again, I'm a fan of Queer and Tarantino. But enough of that chit-chat shit. Let's get to the meat of this episode, and that is of 
this week in crime. So I'm, I'm going to apologize. I'm sorry if the audio sounds a little bad or it sounds weird. I'm actually recording from my phone again because where I keep my computer and my recording equipment, my microphone and everything, it's in my daughter's room. And um, I, she's asleep <laughs> at this moment that I'm actually able to record. I was hoping that I can like make her knock out in uh, our bed but unfortunately she did not she knocked out in her room and so I'm not I don't really want to disturb her and record the episode you can probably hear her screaming because we're trying to get her to sleep even though she's knocking out she's like in and out of sleep um so yeah but here we go um I was actually sent this uh article this news article a while back not too long ago but in June so about a month ago from Shy Von Frankelstein I think is that how you say her username but she knows who she is. She she was part of the Creep It Real podcast, girls, which is a really good podcast. So if you are tired of listening to my voice, go check out two beautiful ladies at Creep It Real podcast. That's Creep It Real podcast. Or follow them on Instagram at Creep It Real pod if you haven't heard of them yet. They are really good at what they do, a lot better than I. So check them out. But she sent me this article, so thank you to her. She sent me two, actually. So this is the first one that she sent me, and it is a man found with 21 severed vaginas <laughs> yes you heard that right 21 severed vagina in his freezer appears in court um so a man who is allegedly found with 21 pieces of female genitalia in his freezer has appeared in court peter Fredriksen, 63 a danish man living in south africa arrives in the dock ahead of his bail application Fedrickson was arrested back in September after 21 mutilated vaginas were allegedly found in his home. Nice. Surgical equipment and anesthetic drugs were also said to have been found in the property. It is believed his wife, 28-year-old Anna Matcelio, or Matt Celicio, Molise, told police he drugged her and cut off her private parts of her anatomy while she was incapacitated. Jesus Christ. She was due to testify but was gunned down and killed while leaving her house last month. Coincidence? I think not. Police believe most of the victims are from the Lesotho area. Fedrickson said to own a gun shop, allegedly sedate victims before performing the illegal operations. A police statement said, It is not clear if the severed vaginas were removed when the women were alive or indeed if they would have survived the attacks. Massilia Langa, a police spokeswoman, said that Fedrickson had kept a clear and organized record of every body part he had removed since his first victim in 2010. The gun shop owner was arrested after the body parts were found in a plastic freezer bags. Confirmed police spokesman Brig Hangwani Muladazi, Mr. Muladizi, Dizi, uh, said one of the victims alerted authorities and police have since appealed to any other women who may have been assaulted by the man to come forward. He faces charges of sexual assault, intimidation, and breaking South Africa's medical laws. A police investigation was launched enlisting the help of a forensic team. Jesus Christ. The thing, I don't, okay, so he cut off the vagina, but did he just cut off, like, the labia? If you don't know what the labia is, like for you youngins out there the labia is the lips of the vagina so i'm wondering if he just simply cut that part off because i mean you can't cut the entire vagina i mean unless you cut the entire vagina out minus the cervix and the vulva 
So, but that's fucking crazy. This dude's fucking crazy ass motherfucker. So this next article is from Shy as well. So thank you, Shy, for sending me these two articles. Sorry that I'm barely getting around to it now. But this one is of FBI found buckets of heads, arms, and legs bodies sewn together in arizona testimony has begun in horror in a horror story out of arizona after buckets of body parts and heads bodies and and genitalia of different people were sewn together and hung up on a wall the fbi raided biological resource center in 2014 and now a lawsuit is providing more gruesome details at the body donation and tissue bank facility in phoenix The FBI raided the business on accusations of illegal human trafficking and sale of human body parts. Here's an excerpt from one FBI agent found. The the thing that I'm confused on is like, how the fuck does that conversation even come up? Like, yo, bro, like, you got any, got any, uh, you got any of the them kidneys, man? Like, I need an extra kidney. You, you got a gallbladder? Nah, bro. All I got is, like, a fucking head, bro. Like, how does that even come up? Like, who do you talk to to just, like, hey, man, I need, like, another fucking... I need, like, a lung. You got a lung? <laughs> like, how does that happen? Here is an excerpt from what one FBI agent found. A cooler filled with male genitalia, a bucket of heads, arms, and legs, and infected heads. Because you can't just have regular heads. You gotta have infected heads. The testimony included one of the most disturbing findings, which was a small woman's head sewn onto a large male torso like Frankenstein and hung up on the wall for all to see. And that's it from that article. Thank you, Shy, for sending me that beautiful article of disgusting filth. So this article was sent to me by the man, the myth, the legend himself known as Rocky the Collector. Thank you to that dude um so if you don't know who rocky the collector is he has been following my podcast for quite a while and he's helped me out a lot by sending me shit not sending me shit articles but sending me shit for (laughs) to help me out with this week in crime so if it wasn't for him i probably wouldn't even get around to doing a this week in crime but for those that you don't know rocky the collector i'd say go and follow him because he has a podcast that he just started and i'm gonna be honest with you having just started it's actually really well done and I'm not going to lie, his voice is very soothing. So go and check his voice out as he makes love to your sweet ear pussy because of his sexy damn voice. Anyway, <laughs> here we go to the article. Um, a man, 65, made a fake bomb threat to get a date with a flight attendant. A 65-year-old man has admitted to making a fake bomb threat in the hopes of getting a date with a flight attendant. The Serbian man's telephone call caused a Lufthansa or Lufthansa flight LH-1411 to be evacuated on Thursday before its takeoff from Belgrade to Frankfurt. All 130 passengers and five crew members had to leave the aircraft while it was searched by a special police squad and a sniffer dogs. The man, who has not been named, had met two flight attendants and invited them for dinner, but they refused. He confessed to the hoax in court on Saturday, saying he had especially liked one of the women, and after he failed to track her down at her hotel, he made a desperate bid to keep her in the country. (laughs) The police traced his call after he made the threat, 
and he was arrested a day later. A spokesman for the prosecutor told Serbian media that the prosecution asked for him to keep to be kept in custody pending charges of causing panic and disorder. On Thursday, Serbia's interior ministry released a statement about the incident which said, This morning at 6 a.m., an unknown person called and reported there was a bomb on the plane bound for Frankfurt. The police are investigating whether it is a false alarm and are also working to identify the person who called. Passengers had an eight-hour delay to their journey after the hoax, with some booking alternative flights rather than waiting for their plane to leave. Good on them. Rather than wait. Modern problems require modern solutions. (laughs) But... Okay, question for the ladies that listen to my episode. Would you think that's fucking weird that a man did that? Or would you kind of think it's ballsy and romantic or maybe a novel approach, I guess, if you will? The fact that this dude so desperately wanted to take you out on a date. Would you go out on that date with him? Or do you think he's a soon-to-be serial killer and you're probably going to be his first victim? Let me know. Tell me. DM me at Strange Talk Podcast or send me an email at Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com. Again, that email is Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com. <laughs> so I want to know. I want to know the truth. Tell me. Like, would you guys think, like, oh, that's so cute. He did that just to try to go out with me? Oh my God. Do it, Beth. You should totally date him. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the next article. So this one is, tourists are going gaga for a Japanese museum dedicated to poop. You heard that right. This was a museum meant for me because it's dedicated to shit. Uh, Again, all these articles, the rest of these articles I'm reading were sent to me by one person, the man, myth, the legend himself at Rocky the Collector. So thank you to him for sending me these amazing articles. So in Yokohama, Japan, Japan's culture of cute makes no exceptions for poop. Yes, you heard that right. That's actually what the news article says. It gets a pop twist at the Unko or Yonko Museum in Yokohama near Tokyo. Here the poop Here the poop is artificial, nothing like what would be in a toilet and comes in twisty ice cream and cupcake shapes in all colors and sizes. The poops are colorful and come out nicely in photos, said uh, Haruka Okubo a student visiting part of the museum devoted to all important selfies. The shape is so round and cute. That's what he said. In Japan, so cute. In Japan, little poop shape erasers with faces and other small items have long been popular items collected by children and sometimes older folks. As elsewith, as, as elsewith, as elsewhere, sketological jokes are popular and bodily functions discussed openly. A recent morning variety show by public broadcaster NHK featured tips on how to deal with farts. Amazing. Visitors to the museum get a short video introduction and they're asked to sit on the set of are asked to sit on one of seven colorful non-functional toilets lined up against the wall. Music plays as a user pretends to poop, then a brightly colored souvenir poop can be collected from inside the toilet bowl to be taken home after the tour. This fucking museum sounds awesome. A ceiling-high poop structure in the main hall erupts every 30 minutes, spitting out little foam poops. Aww. The, the unstagenic the unstagenic area of Instagram-worthy installations includes pastel-hued flying poops and a neon sign with the word poop written in different languages. In another room, players use a projection mapping game like Whack-A-Mole to stamp on and squash the most poops they can. 
In another game, participants compete to make the biggest poop by shouting the word in Japanese, Unko, as loudly as possible. So does that mean poop in Japanese? Unko or Yunko? A soccer video game involves using a controller to kick a poop into a goal. Toshu Toshifumi Okuya? Is it Tashi? Toshi? Toshifumi. Toshifumi. Okuya, a system engineer, was amused to see adults having fun. It's funny because there are adults running around screaming poop poop, he said. At the end of the tour, visitors get a bag to carry home their souvenir poop. If they want still more, the museum's gift shop abounds with more poop-themed souvenirs. The museum has attracted more than 100,000 visitors in the first month after its opening in March. It, it will remain open until September. Awesome. So, um, you know, for you guys listening, uh, if you guys send me a million dollars to the Patreon, not only will I gladly take that money, <laughs> I will also pay for a plane ticket for you to come with me to the Japanese Museum of Shit, of Poop, to Unko. I would gladly take you to that, and we will have the greatest and grandest of adventures in Japan. Um, you're going to have to find, pay for your own way home, though, so sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, I have a Patreon, and I haven't really done much of it, only because of the fact that um, you know I started getting so busy with work. But enough about the Patreon. I don't feel like I'm worthy about mentioning, but yes, I do have one. So if you're really curious about the Patreon and you feel I'm worthy to start supporting me, then you know feel free to message me on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast or send me an email at Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com. Now enough about the Patreon. So this next article is a suspect's loud fart helps police sniff out his hiding place. <laughs> his hiding place. A man trying to elude police in Missouri ended up being portrayed by his own backside. <laughs> Liberty Police Department officers over the weekend were searching vainly for a man wanted on a warrant charging possession of a controlled substance, according to the Kansas City Star. The suspect might have gotten away if he hadn't been betrayed by his own butt. It seems the man let out a huge fart right at the wrong time, allowing officers to sniff out where he was hiding. Authorities said cops didn't release the man's identity. The nearby Clay County Sheriff's Office got wind of the arrest and decided to turn it into a cautionary tale, presumably to discourage others from engaging in criminal behavior or at least avoiding beans before any illegal activity. And this is what was said in a tweet. If you've got any felony, if you got a felony warrant for your arrest, the cops are looking for you and you pass gas so loud it gives you up. <laughs> your hiding spot you're definitely having a shit day but technically they gave the little poop emoji but kudos to them for being hip with the twitter account liberty police apparently appreciated the tweet not just for the publicity but for the opportunity to admit some flatulence wisecracks and yes they let them rip oh these fucking news articles with their little puns and whatnot i fucking hate it So this next article is of two Canadian teens are wanted for the murder of three people. Brian Shkemegsky, Shkemegsky, 
I think, 18, and Cam McLeod, 19, are wanted for the murder of a young couple as well as a man in his 50s or 60s. Two Canadian teenagers from the town of Port Alberni, British Columbia, are considered suspects in the deaths of three people in rural British Columbia, including a couple in their early 20s and a middle-aged man found dead in rural Saskatchewan. The teenagers have not been seen or heard from by their families in several days. Australian Lucas Flower, I'm sorry, Fowler, 24, and his American girlfriend, China Deese. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know it's not funny, it's just that last thing. It's like, these nuts, <laughs> 23, were found dead a few miles south of Lillard Hot Spring. I'm going to hell. A town in British Columbia. On July 15th, the British Royal Canadian Mounted Police has said, oh, like the Dudley Do-Right people. Well, I mean, like the cartoon Dudley Do-Right. <laughs> Fowler and Deese, Deese nuts, were last seen alive on surveillance footage from a gas station in Fort Nelson on July 13th. The video shows them arriving at the gas station at 7.30 p.m. and leaving around 7.47 p.m. According to Deese's mother, Fowler had been living in the area and Deese was visiting him. Um, the couple was on a two-week road trip traveling through Canada up to Alaska. It was like taking every power in my in my body just not to say these nuts even though i just said it right now <laughs> according to curtis broughton and his wife sandra fowler and Dee's van broke down shortly before they died and they approached the broughtons to help repair the vehicle they were on their road trip sandra broughton told cbs news they just seemed like a young couple in love fowler and Dee's were found shot to death how the fuck do you know that like just I, I don't know. I, I always... I'm sorry. I know I'm like a cynical person. I'm just like... I'm a pessimistic person. I don't know. I'm just negative. Which is why I'm self-deprecating a lot. But anyways, I just find it weird how like every time somebody dies and you know you didn't really speak to them. But like when they're interviewed, they're like, yeah, they're always just a quiet person. They seemed really nice. Like... I don't know. I'm okay. I'm going off on a tangent. Anyways, um, Fowler and Deese were found shot to death along the Alaska Highway two days later. Authorities believe they have been dead for about a day before they were found. Another man who is yet who has yet identified was also found dead more than 300 miles away in his vehicle. Although police have not released any details regarding the manner of death or identity of the victim, they have described as they have they have described him. As a Caucasian male between 50 and 60 years old, with gray hair and a great big bushy beard. They, if you get that reference, you're awesome. They have also released a sketch to help identify him. Police have identified two suspects wanted for questioning in the case. Briar Shkemegsky, 18, and Cam McLeod, 19. The suspect's social media accounts indicated that the two were classmates at Alberni District Secondary School in Port Alberni, British Columbia, and worked at Walmart together. Earlier this month, they told their parents they were planning to travel together to Whitehorse in the Yukon to find work, and their family say they have not heard from them since. Police are also looking for an unknown man who was the last person seen speaking with Flower and Deese. During a press conference on Monday, they released a composite sketch based on witness testimony. We are asking the public that if you spot Cam McLeod or Briar Shemeskly, to consider them as dangerous. Take no actions, do not approach, and call 911 immediately, the tweet read. Late last week, police found Shemeskly's and McLeod's burning pickup truck near Deese Lake in British Columbia, about 300 miles away from where Flowers... Is it... I think it's Fowler 
because it's spelled F-O-W-L-E-R. So Fowler, or Fowler, I don't know. And these bodies were found. While authorities initially classified them as a missing persons case, the discovery of the third man's body relatively close to their burning vehicle combined with reported sightings of the two men driving a gray 2011 Toyota RAV4 in northern Saskatchewan led police to reclassify them as suspects. A representative for the BRCMP said, While authorities won't say what evidence ties the two men to the three deaths, they are believed to be dangerous, said RCMP Sergeant Janelle Shahoit in a statement to media. Shahoit is urging anyone who sees the men to not approach them and call the authorities immediately. So it's crazy. We got some killers on the loose. Do you think they're probably like making love and shit? So this last article of this episode of This Week in Crime is of 16 Marines arrested on human smuggling and drug charges. Yes, you heard that correct. Our U.S. Army is not just used for war, but human trafficking. 16 U.S. Marines were arrested Thursday on human smuggling. I'm sorry, human smuggling. I think there's a difference, I guess. Maybe bringing in illegal aliens. I'm not sure. 16 U.S. Marines were arrested Thursday on human smuggling and drug allegations at a base in Southern California, military officials said. The Marines were arrested at Camp Pendleton based on information gained from a previous human smuggling investigation. The Marine Corps said in a statement Thursday, at least eight other Marines have also been questioned about their involvement in alleged drug offenses. None of the arrested or detained Marines were a part of the Southwest Border Support Mission, according to the military statement. Two Marines had been taken into custody on July 3rd for allegedly helping to smuggle undocumented immigrants immigrants, because I feel like I said that word wrong, across the southern border into San Diego County. That's German for Wales vagina. The men allegedly received the migrants at a pickup point about 20 miles east of a U.S. port of entry at Tecate and seven miles <laughs> north of the border. I felt like I said that super white. Officials said earlier this month, the drug charges are unrelated to moving drugs across the southern border. During the Naval Criminal Investigation Service investigation into the smuggling, investigators found a number of Marines involved in illegal drugs. The arrest come hours after United States Special Operations Command separately announced that a Navy SEAL platoon from San Diego would be sent home early from a mission in Iraq due to a perceived deterioration of good order and discipline. A U.S. defense official told NBC News that the allegations against the Naval SEALs were related to drinking. Tamara Lawrence, public affairs officer for Naval Special Welfare Command, said in a statement that the loss of confidence outweighed potential operational risk. Leaders at all levels must lead in a way that sustains and sharpens that foundation, Lawrence said. Discipline is a competitive advantage and enforcing those standards is critical to our success on the battlefield. The, U the U.S. Marine Corps could not immediately be reached for further information. So unfortunately, that's all the news that I have for you in this episode of This Week in Crime. But if you enjoyed it, why not subscribe if you're not already subscribed through iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to my beautiful voice from. 
um, so you can get more. And follow me on Instagram so you can keep up to date on the new episode that's going to be releasing Monday. I have an idea of what I want to do. I'm not sure if I want to go with that story or that case in particular yet. Um, because I do want to pick something that's going to keep you guys listening for a long time. Like, I want to try to make every episode that I put out at least worth it. So I want to always hit around at least 50 minutes. Well, at least 40 to an hour. You know, so that's what I want to do for you guys. But um, thank you to Rocky the Collector and Shy Von Franklinstein for sending me those articles. Uh, thank you. Without you, this week in crime would never be what it is today. So thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do that voice. But yes, uh, so thank you. Um, so if you are listening to this and you want to be a part of the show and send me shit, you can do so via instagram at strange talk podcast if you're not already following me that's where you can follow me so that's where you can find out what episode is going to be on monday um the episode i'm thinking about doing i forgot his name and i don't want to go looking for it just yet because i'm not sure if i want to do it but if you're not familiar with the story the case uh that i did was of um that i might do or at least i'm thinking about doing it it's of a man who decided to take the law in his own hands by killing two teenagers and he actually recorded the whole thing on his video camera because he was i guess his car the story goes is his car was broken into and he told the police about it and he felt like they didn't do enough i guess and the area he lived in wasn't a very good area i guess one would call it a ghetto i guess if you will and uh he decided to take the law on his own hands and decided to um enact some type of justice and so what he did was i'm not going to tell you because if i do it then what's the fucking point of you listening to the episode if i plan on doing it on monday so be prepared for that um i might if it's too short of an episode i might like lump it with another case either a similar case or something totally different i don't know yet i don't really know so tell me uh let me know if you think that's gonna be interesting to you or if you have a case that you want me to discuss that you don't really know too much about send me that shit yo send me that shit brah so yeah um it's good to be back i'm finally um back and i'm making time podcasting um and the people that are back you know listening to the episodes thank you uh my chris watts episode is actually doing really well um a lot more than i thought it was going to be because having been on a hiatus well i mean it was only a month but having been gone from you know putting out episodes regularly um it's good to know that you guys are still enjoying the shit that i (laughs) provide you guys because i think it's garbage sometimes but uh, hey we all are our own worst critics (laughs) but uh yeah so uh again thank you because without you guys strange talk podcast would not be strange tag podcast would not be what it is today um so thank you to each and every one of you who take the time to listen to little old me i got the vapors but yes um i you know was planning on doing a lot until i went on the break but since i'm trying to get back on the game once you know i start you know pumping episodes out there cranking them out getting them all good and shit uh i will get cracking on my patreon again because yes i do have a patreon and i only have a few people who subscribe but i'm pretty sure they stopped subscribing to it because i haven't done anything in a while so i'm sorry to the people who did subscribe and are waiting on everything that i supposedly promised to give the patreon people who you know subscribe to the patreon you know who pay for that shit i apologize a big 
apology to you. Um, but you guys believe in Strange Talk Podcast, so that's awesome. Uh, thank you for that. That gives me hope. But um, I am going to get on the ball with that. I'm going to start trying, like, I'm talking about later down the road. I'm going to try to get t-shirts because um, I did put out some concept art for t-shirts that I was thinking about putting out and it actually was pretty well received so I probably am still going to go with that design and if you're not familiar you can go back and look at a picture I think I uploaded on Instagram if I know I put it in the stories if not if it's not there let me know and I will um, re-upload it but it was just a simple little minimalist type of shirt that simply just said um, it had the logo on the front and I believe no the logo was on the back of the shirt I believe and on the front it said keep calm and stay strange because that is the motto here at strange talk podcast so having said that um, I bid you adieu a farewell so long good night of you to Zane <laughs> but again so yeah stay tuned if you're not following me yet follow me at strange talk podcast on instagram so you can keep up to date to monday's episode that i might be doing or it might be changed you won't know unless you subscribe or unless you uh um, follow the instagram account okay so follow it at strange talk podcast um if you want to send me a news article so you can be featured in the segment this week in crime which is going to happen next wednesday after monday's episode after the week of Monday's episode, that doesn't even make sense. After Monday's episode, then do so via Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com and send me, hey, uh, 69 Doucher 420X sent you this article, so feature my name, man, and I will gladly do so, as long as it's not something super racist. <laughs> but yes. Um, so yeah, send me news articles via DM, Strange Talk Podcast, or send it to me via email at strangetalkpodcast at outlook.com. So again, thank you for listening to this episode of This Week in Crime, Severed Vaginas was the opening story, and my God, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, thank you. And most importantly, everybody, stay fucking strange. So long. Peace.